Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Would you stand with me today? I, I want to preach to you a little bit on my heart. I, I started to title this Through It All, and that's what I'll keep the title, um, but I want to focus a little bit more on a, maybe a subtitle, which is, um, it may make sense to you more a little bit later, but Distracted in the Midst of a Miracle. I want to talk to you about being distracted in the midst of a miracle, and I'm going to share my heart with you a little bit. And um, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to God as he shows you any distractions in your life that you need to remove so that you can truly see the miracle that he has for you. Uh, the devices of the enemy are not always diabolical. Sometimes they come to us in the form of a busy work schedule. Sometimes they come to us in the form of a relationship we don't know how to handle. And they can be a true distraction from our spiritual life. And so I want you to know that um, while I'm preaching this, I preach with more than, more than I know and more than I can live at times. I'm a man of God. I walk with God. You guys know that or else I wouldn't be standing here, right? <laughs> Yay! The pastor likes to honky-tonk on the weekend and comes and preaches on Sunday. No, that's not me. Obviously, I have a position and a responsibility, but even though I do have that, I carry different things in my life that I haven't seen them come to the full miraculous finish, amen, that I know God has for them. And so there are times whenever I'm carrying three or four suitcases up to this pulpit, and I've got them all stacked around here. They're invisible. You can't see them, but they're all stacked around here, and I'm preaching through it, amen? So you have to know that just just as I carry things, so do you, right? But in the midst of all those distractions, I can either focus on the luggage, focus on the baggage that I'm dealing with today, or I can focus on the miracle God wants in my life. Amen? So I'm going to preach to you for a little while about distracted in the midst of the miracle. Matthew 14, verse 25, we'll deal with this particular story. And in Matthew 14, I'm just going to kind of hover and set up over top of that particular passage of Scripture and and we'll begin at verse 22, Sarah, if you wouldn't mind backing up too. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. Everyone say, go before him. Don't forget those words right there. Go before him. Very important words. To the other side. That means that they were going, but he was going to join them. They should have picked up on that, right? So let's continue on. Where they missed the hint, let's go on. While he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, and he was there alone. And, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea. Everyone say midst. Sometimes when you're in the midst of a miracle, you don't know it. Midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch, or the last watch of the night, Jesus went unto them. Sometimes it seems to be the darkest when Jesus shows up. Someone said, Amen. Walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out, for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Sometimes God has to tell us to be comforted and don't be afraid because we tend to have those two problems. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. One word. It was an invitation into the miraculous. And then Peter, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus, but when he saw the winds boisterous, everyone say winds, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, he's not willing that any should perish, amen, and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased, then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, 
they came and worshipped him. The miracle had been done, and they came and worshipped, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God, or the flesh of God. Jesus, would you touch the words and the lips today of clay, and would you allow us to speak your words only, filter through me everything that needs to be out of the way so that you can get through. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. He says, Be of good cheer, it is I. You and I are walking, living, breathing miracles. Amen? And the greatest miracle we could ever experience is not the healing of our bodies or the change in a relationship. The greatest miracle we could ever experience is being born again and salvation coming to our life. Anyone saved in here today? Amen? Anyone returning to God and worshiping Him, saying He is the great and mighty God? Amen? That is the greatest miracle we have in our life. Your life has the fingerprints of God all over it. Whether you you can actually see them or not, whether you feel like you might have to dust for prints to find them, I want you to know they're everywhere in your life. He is simply all about your business being his business. Amen? And when we make his business our business, there's nothing like it because he will provide for what he's doing and we just become a part of the miracle. And Peter was invited into this miracle with one word, four letters, come Peter, and you can do this. You and I can be invited. If God just speaks one word to us, we can be invited into the greatest miracle we have ever been a part of. It will blow your mind. Amen. It's worth being involved in. Amen. It is worth believing in. Believe the hype. When God does something awesome, you want to be there. The greatest testament to Bill Clinton's uh, minute, or well, his his particular presidency and and his way of managing the White House. They said was that Bill Clinton has an uncanny ability of finding out where the crowd is headed and running and getting out in front of them and calling himself the leader of it. He had the capacity to realize which way things were going and got in front of where things were going. Bill Clinton also walked into a nursing home one time and he leaned over to an old guy in a wheelchair and he said, sir, do you know who I am? And the little guy in the wheelchair said, no, but if you go to the front desk, they can tell you. (laughs) Some people think they're more important than they really are. Amen. But there's one thing that's absolutely certain is we are more important when we're in his will and his miraculous plan for our life. Never has there been a time where it's more punctuated with distractions of spiritual peril and potential all at the same time? Never have we lived in a day where there is more distractions around us, yet there are more destiny set in front of the church than right now. We have to realize that there is not only winds blowing and waves crashing, but there are prophetic winds blowing, and there is a wave of the Holy Ghost moving. And while we can focus on the disaster, we could also focus on the divine. And so I've asked you today, and I've come here to preach this word, what could possibly distract us from the greatest miracle God has done? And that is the church of the living God. What could we ever want to be distracted with other than the work of our Father? And in fact, Jesus himself saying, I must be about my Father's business. He got it right, amen? I must be about my father's business. I don't want to be distracted. News comes in every day. You know, I know. We can be overwhelmed. You just leave your TV on on the news channel and just walk in and out of your house and just leave it on for a week and watch how depressed you will get, subconsciously picking up all the negative from the news media. I can tell you that I don't want to focus on the winds that are blowing in this world. I want to focus on the winds of Pentecost, the time when Jesus came and blew through that house in the upper room and forever change their destiny. I want that in my life. Amen. I don't want a distraction from my miracle. So I rise to remind us this morning in the closing days before the Lord's coming, we have to realize that as we view the signs of the time, let us not forget that it is time for the signs. Amen. 
It's time for the Holy Ghost to move. The Bible says that these signs shall follow. Everyone say follow. Them that believe. So in other words, the believers need to go in first. And then the signs follow. We don't seek signs. We know it's a wicked and untoward generation that seeks after a sign. I'm not after a sign. I'm not chasing a sign. But the Bible promises that though I'm not chasing a sign, a sign will follow me. Amen? And every place where you see an example of Jesus doing amazing things in the Scripture, oftentimes he sins before he shows up. Oftentimes, I, I know, I clap for my old servant. <laughs> he sins before he shows up, amen? So we see here that the disciples, he gets them into a boat and he sends them across to the other side. And I want you to realize with me that sometimes storms do come up in our life. And it's very, it's very possible and it's very much a, a capability of the human heart and the human ability to fear and be intimidated that we forget that God has sent us, amen? And whatever he sends, he accomplishes, amen? That's a good point. But also the other point is that when you get into a storm, when you're walking with Jesus, you are never stuck, amen? You are never just stopped, not going anywhere. And I have to commend you, brothers and sisters, who have a strong heart of faith that whenever troubles come against your life, you shake it off like Peter shook off that serpent in the fire and just said, whatever, I don't know what that was, but God took care of it. And the barbarians watched Peter waiting for him to literally fall over being poisoned, and he never did. And they're like, well, he must be a God. I want, I want to commend some of you for having having God in your life so strong that you are simply willing to shake some things off whenever they come up in your life. And you push the distraction aside and you say, God is greater and his day is upon us. And I want what he's sent me to do. And no matter what the storms look like, I'm never stuck in my storm. Amen? I'm never stuck in my storm. Because they did get to the other side. Didn't they? Amen. Well, all the people were doing a foot race to run around the lake <laughs> to meet Jesus. They knew, they should have known, and we should know, that Jesus sent and he provides. So he comes to them. But I wanted to show you that as the church, we must be willing to hear some voices louder, even though they speak quieter, than the voices that are loud that are a few. There was a man that bought a house way out in the country. He was so far in the country, he had to head toward town to hunt. <laughs> I laugh at my own jokes, too, <laughs> apparently today. I laugh at my jokes. I applaud my sermons. I apologize for being so arrogant. I am not. I'm just kidding. But he bought it this house way out in the country wanted to do some country living and had a pond and everything you'd want right and all the nature and no light pollution so you could see the beautiful stars and he couldn't sleep at night because the pond was so loud with frogs I mean they were just croaking and croaking and croaking and so finally he found a, a person who catches frogs like they I don't know how you catch frogs if you trap them or what, it, what you do maybe if you're a real man you barehand it catch a frog you can find out if someone catches frogs with their bare hands they have a lot of warts that's what yeah yeah that's how you know that's how you know so he finds this man who catches frogs and he's, he has them come out to his house he said i cannot sleep at night these frogs are driving me crazy they're so loud there must be hundreds of them out there and so the guy decides okay well i'll stay the night tonight and i'll catch all your frogs and he's like well how do you do that he goes well I, i'll just catch them don't worry about it so the next morning he comes to the he he comes to the door and he's got two big old bullfrogs, two big bullfrogs. He's like he's like I caught your frogs. He's like what? He's like I caught your frogs. Here they are. He's like, no oh, no. There's a whole lot more frogs out there than two. He's like no no. You just have to have two big bullfrogs that like to croak a lot. And sometimes what we get fearful and what we get worried about in this world is simply just a couple of big frogs croaking a lot. 
Sometimes the loud liberal media and sometimes the loud liberal voices can seem like there's more people and and it seems like there's a bunch of rainbows over people's pictures on Facebook and it seems like there's a lot of people that don't believe in traditional family anymore and it seems like there's just a, a complete erosion but I'm telling you there's people in this country who still bleed red and pledge to the flag and still believe there is a God and still say that as long as I'm standing in America I am a faithful believer and I will stand here and I will fight for the principles that this country was built upon. Not only for the country, but for their God. If, they, if we are truly believers, then we understand that if God is in us, then we have to take a stand. And so when I was preaching this to myself, I was really having church. Because I realized that in 2 Timothy 3 and 1, it says that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And I was like struggling with some things this week and I'm like, it's so troublesome and it seems so heavy and it seems, it seems to reduce my strength. And so I started reading the, the definition of the, of the Greek word of perilous and it actually says hard to take. That, it, that there are going to be in the last days hard to take times shall come. And, and, and another translation actually says, troublesome times shall come, and, and hard to bear times shall come. And in one translation it says, harsh, reducing strength times shall come. And all of this I'm experiencing. So I begin to have my own little church realizing that my conflicts and my contradictions are just ways of me understanding that God is still with me, and God is still for me, and even though there's perilous times in this world that we live in, he is not going to give up on me. I didn't come this far just to come this far. I've come to see God do a work in my life, and in my home, and in my country. Amen? Conflict and contradiction does not stop God's promises from being true. Does not mean that God's promises have been counteracted does not mean that. The fact is, we are being stirred by the Spirit in this last day. We are being moved by God's presence. The fact is, we are ready for a breakout of something new from God. Amen? The fact is we are tired of the status quo. I don't want to just have few and no more. We are going to. I'm working with Brother Soto right now to do the greatest campaign this church has ever launched into this community. I'm telling you, I'm sick of status quo. I'm ready for an unprecedented Book of Acts revival. Because you're either going to have survival or you're going to have revival. And if you sense the Holy Ghost in me right now, I am full of revival right now because I want God to do something so miraculous that it blows our minds and we can only say truly God came walking on the water to us. Truly God stepped in miraculously. We are hungry for miracles, signs, and wonders from God. I want a sign to follow me. Amen? But distractions can rise up. There's bills to pay. There's job schedules. There's laundry to wash. There's Flat tires to fix, there's motors that don't work right, there's cars to exchange and try to trade up, there's houses and there's bills to meet and mortgages to meet and different things that we have as schedules and priorities and responsibilities and I've seen and I've experienced all of it. But I want you to know that I have a concept of clarity in the miracle God's working in my life because I am truly a walking miracle. I am simply in the process of the miracle. And if I let these distractions conflict me, my heart will become damaged. And I will not understand that God often waits into a dark time where there's no other hope except in Him. Amen? He sometimes comes in the fourth hour of the night. I've experienced entanglements. I know what they're like. I've obviously helped build two businesses while I've started this church. I I sometimes have small regret because I think I could have grown the church faster had I not been involved in two other businesses. And I, you know while I feel that way and there's some small regret in my heart, I also know that those businesses provided the income for us to live in the city. And I really believe in living in the city where you minister. 
that is like a core key principle in my life. I want to live where we minister. And had I not done those things, I would not be able to live in this city because it is expensive. And so while those things, I regret the distractions of them, I feel like God has brought us all through that. Amen. And he's given us what we needed, even in the contradictions. So my first point to you today is you are not stuck in the storm. That's number one. We hit that. You made it through. And then my second point is he knew the storm was coming. He knew the storm was coming. He sent them into it. Because he knew the greater miracle would trump the storm. The greater miracle was that he was going to step on the scene. And I just want to say, I see God off in the distance, amen? I see some stuff from the Lord off in the distance, and I see him walking toward us for souls to be saved, for people to come to God. Everything that I'm seeing right now, maybe just visions of grandeur in in my own faith, and just hoping that God would do something awesome. But I tell you that while my spirit is soaked and saturated with things that I want to see from God, there is a possibility for me to derail that with distractions, amen? Storms of frustration can, can come, and storms in our homes can come and storms in our relationships and storms of negativism. Anybody ever experienced any of these kind of storms? Storms brought many setbacks at times in my life and many frustrations, but I want you to know that the storm means nothing when Jesus shows up. Amen? The greater miracle is that he is on the waters walking to us and we definitely are on a collision course with our miracle, brothers and sisters. Each one of us, individually and collectively collectively as a church, are on a definite map right toward our miracle. And I, I want you to know that some of us can't even maybe hear that at times because we're carrying heavy things and, we, and we def, we, we're just deafened by the thunderclaps of our discouragement and maybe even are terrorized by the imaginations of our own fear and calamity and the what-ifs could happen. I know that we have lots of what-ifs in our world and lots of winds that blow, but I, even though some are living in that area right now. Would you please hear my voice? I'm telling you, don't listen to the wind and the waves. Please listen to the Messiah who can walk on the waves. Don't listen to the struggle and the damage that tries to come and the what-ifs. Listen to the Master who knows how to control the waves and and speak to the wind because He's walking on the waves. He's coming to our lives. He's coming to our lives. He is coming our way. And while a longing heart desires for a miracle manifestation of God's promises, we can be distracted by the distresses and distracted by the dilemma and distracted by God's delay. Why has he not stepped in yet? The greatest question, why hasn't he come yet? I've come to tell somebody, don't let yourself be distracted in the midst of a miracle. Don't forget that he's with you through it all. He knew exactly where they were going to be. I, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if this makes much sense, but I, whenever we moved to Alaska, my, um, my stepdad left us. Now, he left us for a good reason. He went to jail. He needed to go to jail. <laughs> That's a good reason to be leaving. <laughs> Get on out of here, dude. <laughs> But when he left us, he didn't want to leave my mom. He didn't want to leave my mom. He he did love my mom and whatever that meant. Um, he made lots of mistakes, but and he made lots of failures. But he he did love my mother. But sometimes people leave you, even though they haven't forsaken you. But Jesus said, "I'll never leave you or forsake you." He said both because it's important that we understand that you can leave somebody. And not forsake them, just like Nathan Wagner's in Alaska right now. And he hasn't forsaken you, Wilma, but he had to leave because he's on deployment to Alaska. And just as my stepdad went to jail, he didn't want to leave my mom, but his consequences left made him leave. But he hadn't forsaken her because they kept a relationship by letter for years. I know that doesn't seem like maybe a good example, but that's the only example I had. (laughs) So I used it. (laughs) That's me shaking my head right there, yeah. Um, So 
you can have people forsake you and never leave you. You can have a parent that's in the home that emotionally detaches from you completely, but they haven't left you. So to leave somebody is to leave them physically. To forsake somebody is to leave them emotionally. And Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He wanted to make sure we knew that no matter what storms we go through, he's going to come. And the greater message is even deeper, which I'll hit in just a minute. Not only is he going to show up so that we are not alone, but he shows up emotionally attached because he doesn't leave us comfortless. So no matter your dilemma or distraction, he's not going to leave you and he's not going to forsake you. Would you just thank the Lord for that little nugget right there? That's good stuff. Thank you, Jesus, for not leaving us. He's coming our way, amen? Luke 10 and 1, it says that he sent the disciples. And if you pull that up for me, I'll, I'll just read that for you quickly. But Luke 10 and 1 tells us that Jesus commissioned his disciples to go. And when he commissioned them, he made a promise to them. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them to and two before his face unto every city, a place whither he himself would come. In other words, Jesus was going to be coming to that location, but he sent somebody ahead of him. And so what we have to understand is it may seem like it's all the way, I've already touched on it a little bit, but these were common men. They didn't stir much uh, fanfare. There wasn't a whole lot of people looking and heralding them when they showed up in the city. But when those two disciples of Jesus came, they were a promissory note that Jesus was going to show up that Jesus would be coming behind them. So I want to tell you that even though we go through storms and difficulties, if you're found in the storm, you being a Christian, Christian, means that you are a promissory note that Jesus is going to show up in that situation. That wherever, and it goes all the way back to Genesis where he gave us dominion over the fish and the trees and the fowl and everything that we took dominion over. God literally designed us as spiritual and as physical beings to wherever we put our foot down to take a dominion footprint over that area. So when we walk into our workplace, we are the preceding presence of God. When, when we step into a storm, you have to realize that the peace speaker is coming behind me. Oh my goodness, do you realize we are the promise of God to this world? That the church itself is literally the representation of the Redeemer who can restore anything. He is the restoration of this earth and the spiritual relationship we have with God. So when we as Christians step into a situation that seems beyond our control and completely out of our hand... We can say, I know, but if I just stay here long enough, Jesus is going to show up here. Thessalonians tells us that he's coming for those that are alive and remain. I know that speaking of those that are living and dead, but I sometimes translate the Bible a little funny in my head. (laughs) I sometimes think that we need to be not only just remaining there, but we need to stay, and we need to stay alive, amen? That we can't just be a church in this city. We're not just called to show up and remain here. We must remain and be alive, amen? There must be some life inside of us. There must be some joy inside of us. We should come to church on Sunday with our thumb in our Bible saying, let me show you what I found this week in my personal devotion. I've got something alive on the inside of me. I'm not just here to remain here. It's not us just cuddled in a corner. 
corner, just cuddling each other, saying it's going to be okay. We're going to make it. That's not the picture of the church that I see. I see a church alive, full of the Holy Ghost, and revival falling on precious souls, so that when the church does say, come Lord, we're not just some consolation prize out of the earth who just happened to make it. We are the church alive and remaining, living the doctrine, living truth, and loving it. Oh my goodness, I felt like preaching right then. <laughs> but it's past now, so <laughs> we're all okay. We survived it. <laughs> I have Peter speaking to Jesus here, and I want to I kind of cement what I just said. I have Peter speaking here to Jesus when he begins to look at the waves and the water and the wind and the storm. Because when you take your eyes off Jesus, your only opportunity is to stay focused on the Savior or sink in your situation. Your only opportunity is to stay focused on the Savior or sink in your situation. He is the buoyancy of our life, amen? He's what makes us bounce back. You're not going to bounce back by yourself. You need Jesus in your life. That's what makes you bounce back. So what keeps us afloat is the Savior who never gives up on us. So what I want you to notice is Peter gets out of the boat with great faith. And I want to focus just for a minute and type the boat as religion. The boat is religion. And some people are afraid to get out of their religion and walk toward their relationship with Jesus Christ because they're afraid of losing the comfort of the structure of a religion. I know we tend to be pack-oriented. The Bible says we, like sheep, have gone astray. When one sheep goes astray, many seem to follow them. <laughs> you got one sheep head off the wrong way in the field in a hailstorm. They all just kind of follow along. It doesn't matter. Uh, a pack of sheep will huddle against a far fence in the middle of a storm because they don't understand that if they run just across the field into the barn, they'd be a whole lot safer. But they're sheep. <laughs> and we have a pack mentality. So when we create a religion, because religion's man-made. We tend to pack up in that religion. Our families get in the religion. We get our friends in the religion. And then all of a sudden the religion becomes the boat. And while you're trying to hold on in the storms of the boat, it fatigues you and it wears you out. And pretty soon you ask, what's the use? Because the focus becomes on the religion and not on the relationship of who's coming on the water. Amen? So what you have to understand is there will be people that come to this house of God that are literally clamped on to their religion. I'm, I'm this, and I, I'm, I'm that, and I'm this, and my, my whole family was this. And they're just holding on to the boat in the storms. But if you ever get them interested in God, if you ever get their eyes on Jesus, they will step out of that boat. They will step out of the traditions of men and the traditions and creations of religion. And they will begin to walk toward a relationship that is more miraculous than any distraction of religion could ever be. Amen. I've come to preach today that we need people that are not religious people. We need people that are relationship people. We need people that love Jesus with all their heart and will live for God no matter the distractions that come. The boat is religion and Peter got out of his religion and walked to his relationship which is Jesus. And one word was enough for him. But while he got out there, he began to look at the waves and the storms and the bills that piled up and the mortgage to be paid and the distractions and the luggage and the baggage and all the stuff that happens in life and the relationship that's not going so well and the wife and the lackluster situations and the marriage and the things where how you work so hard to rekindle the fires of love, but it just seems to constantly get a wet blanket thrown on it. And all the different distractions that go on in every section of our life, I promise you this, that if you let that dominate your life, you will begin to feel like you're sinking. And so Peter invited into the miraculous with winds howling and waves crashing takes his eyes off Jesus. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus. I know I've already hit it, but I'm going to hit it again. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus. How many world-changing miracles would be worthy. <laughs> I don't know what's going on out there, but I want to know. <laughs> Hit it again. 
Okay. I don't, I, there's some funny stuff going on out there and I, I, I'm a humorous kind of person. So I always want to know the joke. So if I'm laughing with you and don't know it, I'm just laughing at you. Just laughing at you. That's all. Just kidding. How many world changing miracles would be worthy of noising from the rooftops? If they weren't diminished and destroyed by distractions. The miraculous Peter was invited into changed from the most amazing experience he ever had to a mercy rescue mission for Peter. It should have been the most amazing miracle he ever experienced where he stand and talked about how God brought him to him on the waters. But instead, it turned into nothing more than a rescue. I want you to know that this happens to all of us because we're human and we lose faith and sometimes we doubt and sometimes we just don't have what it takes and the winds can be very noisy. They're bullfrogs croaking in the pond. They're, they're loud. They're, they're difficult. But I want you to know that even though there's distractions at work, distractions at home, distractions and temptation, distractions in our physical bodies, distractions of sickness, distractions of loss, I have decided none of it is going to rob me of my miracle. None of it. I will let God's miracle mission be effective in my life and not be turned by my enemy's distractions into a salvage mission for my soul. You have to understand that there's more than just one distraction. And I'm trying to close. There's distractions of religion where you got to get out of the boat. There's also distractions of materialism. Where while you thought it was a blessing of God, you started worshiping the blessing and not the blesser. And you literally have now so many distractions in your life, you have no room for God. Materialism different things that are distractions. You can label them. You can find them. You know what your distractions are. Some of you have a distraction of Facebook. I'm preaching right now real good. Some of us have a distraction of Twitter. Some of us have a distraction of YouTube. Some of us have a distraction of the internet. I had one guy that was preaching. (laughs) He was preaching about how Jesus told them to leave their nets and you need to leave the internet. Jesus told you to leave your net. (laughs) No, no, sir. Go back and study your Bible. That's not what it says. (laughs) But thank you very much for being passionate. God bless you. No, thank you. One of those. So sometimes we have to take moments away and just kind of analyze our self-distractions and make sure we move them out of the way. So while we're driving to Alaska, because my mom decides to keep this relationship where she's been left, but she hasn't been forsaken, we come off this bridge, and I'm closing with this, we come off this bridge, it's wet, it's like a one lane, but really it's like two lane, but it's really tight, and my mom gets distracted. Um, Well, you know, we had two boys in the car, so it's easy to get distracted. I'm beating on... Like, I had drumsticks, and I had the visors down for my cymbals. And we had one of those old trucks where the dash came across, and then it came up for the steering column. So that was a perfect place for the hi-hat. And then the rest was open season, you know. (laughs) The top of the headrest, it's all toms, you know. Just go nuts. So I'm, and I'm putting... Yeah, I put holes all in the back of that sun visor playing those symbols. My mom didn't think anything of it. She's like, well, whatever. You know, she's like, he'll play for Jesus. Amen. I'll get a new sun visor. I don't support that at all. I think you should respect your stuff. But my mom didn't seem to have that same idea. She really loved the fact that we would do it for the Lord at some day. So I'm playing away or doing whatever we're doing. And my brother was sleeping on the floor. And the Lord spoke to my mom. And she said, get your son up out of the floor and have them get in seatbelts. About 30 minutes earlier. So she shakes Wesley awake, my half-brother. And we get Wesley up and we put him 
actually we put him here. I was in the middle because I was playing my drums. And she <laughs> she was here and she's like, okay, let's stop playing drums now. And I'm like, okay. So we come down this long hill and it's been raining and it's wet. And we go into this one lane bridge, what looks like a one lane bridge. And there's cars coming the other way. And my mother gets nervous and frustrated. So she, and we got a camper loaded, okay. And so she pulls out into the lane. And for her, it seems like those other cars are already coming into the bridge. So she floors it because she wants to get through. Well, when she pulled out, when we got to the other side of the bridge, she jerked this way because she thought they were closer. And we were headed off, and then she jerked back. Well, force, <laughs> physics, that whole load shifted one way and then shifted the other, which threw our whole truck into a spin, went across the lanes in front of the traffic. That tells you they were still far enough away for us to spin out in front of them and crash in front of them. <laughs> Everything goes in slow motion when you get in an accident. It's like... And so, like... The cat was in my brother's lap, and the cat leaps into the air. And it's like one of these slow motion movies where the cat's like, and I mean, the cat's face is detorted. We're sliding sideways. Signs are being knocked down as we're going into the ditch now on the other side. And I'm like, there's one, there's two. I'm counting how many signs we run into. I don't have a concept at the moment that we're about to die, okay? I just happen to be thinking as a kid, you know, I was playing drums. I'm happy we're now crashing. Yay! This is awesome. I'm a happy camper. So we go into the ditch down into the ditch, and there's a road, and we hit that abutment of that road, and the whole truck just turns up on its side. And I'm like, wee! And the cat, who's doing slow-motion running man in front of me, like, grabs my hand, the only place on my hand available, and he only digs one claw in, but he gets, with one claw, he pulls himself all the way up underneath my mom's seat. And so we turn over sideways, and I look up, and my mom's going, and she's hanging from her seatbelt, and I'm going, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we would be crushed if she didn't have her seatbelt on. I, I don't mean that negatively. I mean that literally. She was up there, and I'm like, I'm glad she's strapped into this ride. <laughs> so we're literally tipping over. I put my hand on the window, which is a really bad idea. But somehow the Lord kept that window from shattering so it didn't cut my hand to pieces. But as we're going over and as we laid on our side, the whole front window just went and just broke. And luckily it all stayed together and our camper flung out the back. Literally, we, my, our bikes were on top. They were just mutilated as the thing rolled away from the truck. And I'm like, my bike. That's the only thing I cared about was my bike. And... I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost told my mom to have us get in our seatbelts because she, he, she didn't know what was coming, but he did. And so it doesn't seem like God is with you in those storms, but he was. There was a state trooper going the other way home. He was off duty. He was going the short way, dodging traffic, coming our way because he didn't want to come that way. So he was going around. The Lord told him, quickened him to turn around and go back out of his way and come down through the traffic the way we were coming, he showed up on the scene literally about five minutes after we had the accident. Was off duty, pulled up. He was from a church of Nazarene. They took our truck, they fixed it, they built a new camper on the back, and they charged us nothing. Over $2,000 worth of repair, and they got us back on the road. The side of our truck was all rippled up. You know, we had Mr. Wrinkles for the rest of our life, that truck, but, but it was an awesome truck. I loved it. <clears throat> I, w I got out of the vehicle bleeding profusely. I, I mean, I had blood everywhere. They were like checking me over. I'm like, it's just the cat. It's, it's just the cat. <laughs> the cat, they tried to get out of the truck, and he was like. It's the first plastic cat you ever, plastic man cat you ever saw. He was stretched. He was like clawed into the truck. And so they finally get the cat out. They finally get us out, and then they finally clean up all the mess. And you know what the thing they found the furthest from the crash accident site? I know I'm getting off. I'm sorry. I'm going to get back to the sermon. They found a pickle jar flung into the cattle pasture, and it was fully intact. They're like, you want some pickles? <laughs> and my bike was destroyed three feet from the accident. Why, Lord? I'm in the midst of a storm, Jesus. Twelve-year-old, and you destroyed my bike. 
where is Jesus in the midst of this situation? But I decided that I would focus, obviously, on what was going on. And so we spent a week at this family's home. They took us in. They fed us. We got to jump on the trampoline. Oh, that was glorious. As a kid, that was awesome. So we spent all week playing games, having fun, riding dirt bikes. I think they had dirt bikes. And jumping on the trampoline. And I was like, this is the greatest vacation ever. I'm glad we crashed, Mom. I want to crash again. <laughs> let's, let's do this every summer. This is great. And so at that point, I didn't realize what was all going on. But later my mom told me that she was able to share with him the gospel. And that family has been a family that my mom has been in contact with for a long time. Just wonderful people. And <clears throat> I think that when we view people as salvage cases, we do God a disservice because Peter was a salvage case. And yet God restored him to the top of the water. God reached down and picked him back up. So even when we fall the greatest, and even when we have to reach for the Lord and say, Lord, save me, he is willing to bring us back to our, further, our previous station of blessing and put us back in the miracle, even though we were distracted. Would you stand with me? I know you've laughed a lot. I hope I haven't been too, too humorous. <clears throat> I grew up in the church and around every corner there was a demon. Remember those days? It's like, whoa, that's, that's a devil. That could just be flesh. Could just be the lust of the flesh or someone letting themselves do something they shouldn't be doing. They're not obeying the word of God. So not every wind is a devil or a demon. Most of the things that we, I've seen in the North American church that we deal with are things that we do ourselves to ourselves. And oftentimes the winds that we fight are natural things, not supernatural things. We fight paying bills. We fight keeping up. We fight having enough strength. We fight getting enough sleep. Try not to fall asleep at your desk at 3 p.m. Hello, somebody. Glory. I'm preaching now. The winds are loud. A friend of mine told a story and he said that he was building a church Raleigh, North Carolina, Wayne Huntley. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. And a lady got dissatisfied with the way he was preaching and teaching and phoned into headquarters, <laughs> put in a, a grievance. <laughs> I'm not liking this. And about two weeks later, he got a call from his assistant general superintendent of the United States. He said, I have a duty to, dis to discharge he goes, I hear you're having revival. Just keep having revival. Sounds like you're stirring some things up over there. So he keeps having revival, but this lady thinks that he's going to get it. He's done. You know, he's out of there. He's really messed it up. Now he's. So she thinks that she's going to hear back. Well, he's getting ready for Bible study one night, and he gets a call from the missions department saying, We'd like to highlight your church because of the revival that you're having and the miracles that God's doing. How many know there's always a distraction in the middle of a miracle? She was the distraction. The miracle was the revival he was having. Amen? In his church. And so he went before the congregation on a Wednesday night, Tasha, and he begins to speak about the fact because he didn't know how the church was going to accept that missions had called and they want to spotlight them for the whole missions video of that year. They want to put their church up and say, hey, look what God's doing. And he didn't know if that would like, you know, be a problem to the congregation. So he decided he was going to bring it before them. So he gets up in his pulpit and he says, now church, I don't know how you're going to receive this, but I have to tell you, I received a call from headquarters. And that woman like stuck her head up. She's like, they're going to get him now. <laughs> He's in trouble. And she was just ready to see what. And so, and when he saw her stick her head up, he was like, oh. <laughs> 
she thinks this is the first call. <laughs> I'm about to tell them about the video that they want to make of our church, but she doesn't know that. So he begins to play it out. He's like, I don't know if you're going to be able to handle this church. The Lord's going to have to help us. And he's really looking pitiful. And, and she's just helping her husband like, oh, they got him now. They're going to set him straight. They're really going to fix this for us. And then he goes, but they want to make a video of our revival. <laughs> and she goes, <laughs> she just cowers back into the seat. There's always a distraction in the middle of the greatest things of God. If you learn from this one sermon how to identify your distractions and put them aside in the midst of your miracles that God is doing, I have succeeded today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I know you're there through it all. Through every trial, for every long day, for every long trial, you're there. And the fact that we are present, we could take dominion. When we walk into our work on Monday, I pray you give people footprint. I pray you give people dominion on their jobs. I pray you give them blessings from that dominion. That they don't use it lightly because you're coming behind them so they represent you, Jesus. But would you show up? You've given us this new space. I pray for that. I thank you for it. But as we step into that space that is just simply a promissory note that you are showing up right behind it, Jesus. That you are bringing people to the house of God and souls for saving right behind our occupation, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a revelation today that we don't have to be distracted in the midst of a miracle. But while we deal with the struggle, while we deal with the winds that blow and the waves, and while some of us may feel like we have a salvage case going on, that you just have to save us, maybe, God, because we don't know how to reach for anybody else. I promise, Lord Jesus, that I make myself available to your work. I make myself available for you so that if you have to salvage me, then you save me and you put me back on a track to where I can be a part of the miracle that you have for those around me and those in my life. I pray in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Some of you might have been distracted. You may have heard the voice of the Lord speaking very softly to you during this sermon. And there's other voices that are croaking and yelling and trying to get your attention. But the still small voice may have talked to you while I was preaching today. Would you honor that voice? And would you let yourself be quickened to that voice? And would you let it work in you right now? Would you somebody just step out right now and just take a hold of the miracle again? The miracle of your marriage. Maybe you need to pray with your spouse. The miracle of your children. Maybe you need to pray with your kids. There's distractions on every side, but we shall not be distracted from the miracles in our life. Everyone is a miracle. Would you just grab a hold of the miracle this morning and set aside everything that is not a manifestation of that miracle? And Jesus, come on, somebody, pray. Up with